Welcome to another edition of the Behind the Badge podcast. And when we announce today's guests, they will be truly dancing in the streets of Total Network Solutions. I had to say it. It's a tick off my journalist career saying that one. The famous line that really immortalized today's guests. They are, of course, the 15 times Welsh champions, the nine times Welsh Cup winners. And I'm going to give it a mention because it's a tournament I regularly attended. They've also got a Shropshire Senior Cup to their name, amongst a plethora of other honours. Today, we are joined by the New Saints and we have Chairman Mike Harris on the show. Firstly, before we get into it, I'll introduce my co-host, delivering an unrivaled insight into the commercial world, world of football via a melodic Midlands accent. George, George Harborn, how are you doing, my friend? I'm very good, mate. That is, that's probably the best introduction you've ever given, Joe. The energy was insane. Thank you very much, mate. You think yeah, so? Yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah. I'm really Bringing good. How, how are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm really excited for today's episode. It's a, a really unique team. I'm not sure, uh, you know, not many clubs have uh, an origin story and a yeah, background as unique as this. And it, it brings me nicely onto, uh, onto our guest. We've got the chairman as well. You know, we've gone to the very top of the ladder. So, Mike, how, how are things? Mike Harris. Hi, things are good. And uh, yeah, you, we, we are quite a unique club. Uh, it's, uh, it's great to be on your show and uh, you, you let me know. You can ask any question you want. I can probably give you an answer. You may not always like what I say. <laughs> well, brilliant. I'm going to start, before we get into your background, I'm going to start with that line from Soccer Saturday. That line that was delivered every week, as most weeks you did take the lead, on on a Saturday at two thirty PM by Jeff Stellin, the, the great voice, the voice synonymous with uh, Saturday football for many. How how much did that like transcend and how 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 did you utilize that line? Was it was it cool to be involved in such an iconic sport in a piece of punditry? Absolutely. Because obviously uh, as you're aware but mainstream uh, soccer and uh, sporting media had a great or does still have a to a degree a great tendency to ignore the Welsh Premier and the whole pyramid system of Wales. They, you know, I think a lot of money has been spent on uh, the English um, uh, pyramid and that they, they've had a lot of expensive rights and it's a little bit um, it, as though they don't want this to kick off. You mean, you know, same with Irish leagues to a certain extent. You know, so, you know, um, football in, uh, in, in Britain seems to mainly contests of the, uh, the English Premier League and a little bit of Scotland. And uh, the rest is to be ignored in the great unwashed. So um, it was really good when Jeff had um, uh, picked up on it. And uh, I think that he, he used in his in, in his, uh, in his first um, uh, uh, version was with Rafe Rovers, which uh, I remember being at the Coca-Cola Cup final in Scotland when they beat Celtic. They said they'll be dancing in the streets of Rafe tonight. And I, to this day, I don't think there is a place called Rape. It's uh, in Kilcaddy. <laughs> That's brilliant. And I can tell you're you're extremely passionate about the Welsh game, uh, extremely passionate about your club as well. What? Uh, wh- where did your uh, background in the sports industry start? Well, in industry, in terms of sport, I've always been a follower of sport. I've been a, probably a pretty poor footballer. I'm a keen badminton player, keen dart player. Um, you know, I've, I've always been interested in competitive sport, whether whether or not it's clubman level or or very poor amateur. Uh, I've always been, uh, you know, competitiveness has been in my blood. So um, sport was there from a child all the way through into adulthood, and I, I still try and occasionally uh, have a little run around uh, on the pitch on our Christmas kick around. So um, yeah, it's um, 
it's always been there. In terms of um, business, um, I remember being uh, at um, in Cardiff to watch um, a Wales rugby game, and um, uh, albeit I'm Welsh, I live in Wales. Our television service is provided by uh, the Midlands in the good old days of terrestrial TV. And uh, on the day of the game there on uh, BBC Wales, I, I see in the in the hotel and looking at this uh, football pit, I'm going, hang on, what's this? And um, to, uh, to to my uh, amazement, I thought I'd recognise that pitch I'd played on there. And they were they were doing um, a, a little bit of coverage of what is today the Welsh Premier. It was, uh, I think, a game being played at Welsh Pool against Carsus. And I'm thinking, so how come that's on the telly? And then I thought, hang on, this could be a good branding idea because... If you had a football club called your company name, then in the results roundup at five o'clock, well, you're going to get what well, might be free brand awareness. And that sort of sucked, sunk in my brain for a few years. And the opportunity to get involved with Lance and Frank came around. And uh, it relit that idea. And I thought, well, that's the, where the idea came from uh, changing the name to my, my business uh, from the village name. Well, I think you've teed us up beautifully there, to, you know, for, for my first question of the session, which is is about that deal, you know, the, the way it came about, the benefits that you found as, as a company, and, and but I guess also the benefit to, to the club as well. And I, I'm really interested to hear, like, was there any was there any initial backlash? What, what was the feedback from the community? Did they feel like, you know, what what's this corporate entity taking over our club? Give us a, give us a sense of some of those things. Let's get uh, the gauge of where we where we were. Samson Fried um, started in the amateur league in 1957. They worked their way through the pyramid system, no help from from myself, and ended up in the, in the Welsh Premier. And uh, they came to us after they had that historical win against Barry Town, uh, where they won the Welsh Cup on a penalty shootout, the last game uh, competitive game of football played in the Millennium not the Millennium Stadium, it was the Cardiff Arms Park back in the day. So. Um, when they came to me, shirt sponsorship um, opportunity, I said, "Wait, hey, uh, our business was also relatively small in comparison to um, big communications companies. We were probably a company of ten million turnover, but at the very forefront of the industry, just starting to build the internet out, and people didn't really know what network communications was. Then, is that something to do with computing? Would be the um, the sort of um, uh, word you would get. So uh, we, we we wanted to try and get our name recognised. Uh, we didn't have massive, massive budgets to do it on, on mainline TV. And we thought, well, okay, well, let's see if uh, a name-changing potential could come around. So we did this year's sponsorship, didn't really um, um, do a great amount for us in terms of uh, getting a national coverage did very well locally because of the, the local uh, papers and uh, and press cover the uh, the games very very well. Um, but at the end of the first year, and we'd become very very friendly with the uh, likes of Mike Hughes, who's sadly not with us, uh, Edgar Jones, and again sadly he's not with us today, um, uh, and, and the existing board. And uh, he said, "Hey guys, will you uh, uh, do it again next year?" And I said, "Well, look, we 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 had a lovely season." But shirt sponsorship for one year, you had your World Cup win, but for us, it's really not really achieving anything. But I said, if you change your name to our company name, well, that's a 
whole different um, uh, prospect. The, uh, I at the time hadn't got anything in my mind what uh, uh, what it would look like, and obviously they went away and said, "Well, we'll have a think about it." I thought I'd never hear from them ever again. About two hours later, I had a phone call from Mike. You saying, "Well, come on, tell us what the deal is." So uh, it was basically we offered them a quarter of a million pound over a five-year period to change their name. And if you look at the uh, the budget of the day, I think at the, at the time their um, total budget and turnover for the year was forty thousand pounds. Wow! So a significant commercial deal. It was a com- significant commercial deal for them. Um, I mean, but the club to to get the success that they had in a village of nine hundred people. And it was very much off the back of hard work by the likes of Mike Hughes, Spider, very good friend of mine, um, Edgar Jones, and the rest of the board, plus the community. I mean, it was it was then very much a voluntary um, uh, participation by the people who put the game on, You know, whether they did the tea stall, whether they cleaned the changing rooms, whether they worked on the turnstile, uh, stewarding, et cetera, et cetera. So... Um, uh, this um, gave them the ability to perhaps take the heat off them, but they could still try to have a competitive team. So the yeah. name was changed, and uh, uh, probably um, uh, the first seven games uh, after that were uh, uh, were a lesson of uh, of of football's a very tough game. We had seven draws, followed by the eighth game, which was a good ten nil stuffing by Barry Town. So. That's how uh, how we uh, started our baptism by fire. Well, to to fast forward a little bit, you're uh, you know the the new saints now. Um, that's a brilliant name too, to be honest with you. I, I love that name. It's uh, really synonymous with uh, you know. It, it seems like it's great for what you stand for, and really epitomizes the uh, the nature of the club. Uh, can you give us some of the thought process that w- went into that sort of uh, rebranding, if you like? It's more. It is more um, uh, 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 relevant than what a lot of people realise. I mean, obviously, Saint Saint Fried means the Valley of Saint Fried, which is a famous saint from Mid Wales. Um, during our journey, we merged with Oswald's Town, uh, Saint Oswald. Um, uh, so again, um, when we bring the two clubs together, you're never going to make everybody unhappy. Happy. You probably make everybody. Unhappy because in all mergers, one <laughs> thinks that they were better than the other, and the other one thinks they're better than them, and never the two short, short, short twain. So, um, uh, when uh, BT took our uh, total network solutions over in uh, 2005, um, some thought process went into a, how do we try to make Oswestry Town relevant and Lanson Fried relevant and try to re- unite them under one banner? Uh, Hence the name, the New Saints, um, and of the two uh, uh, respective um, locations. Albeit they're only seven miles apart, there is a lot of rivalry between the two communities. So trying to harmonise a football club and two rival sets of supporters under one banner has been a big challenge and will continue to be a challenge because you know, there's always the legacy of the die-hard one or the die-hard other part, but... Uh, you know, what when uh, my business originally got involved and when I uh, since uh, it's been uh, about business, about a passion that I have, it's about um, 
the fact that we are successful and that we've been able to produce a football club which now turns over probably around £2 million um, from its activities. It's got local community programmes, it's got ladies, it's got girls, it's got academy, it's got... uh, And and we like to think that we um, are a good example of what a football club can achieve when you when you can uh, we started playing um a, in a village and have ended up in the local town where today it generates its own income it uh, it generates players it puts a lot back into the community we run a charity um and still deliver a great amount of success on the pitch which as you said be- before is it's a little bit unrememberable how many trophies we have won in that um, in that time and hold the world record for the longest running um, wheels in a row at a at a at a, at a senior level. With, with TNS, obviously the New Saints Total Network Solutions was, was keeping the acronym part of that decision making process, or was that just it just fit in that way? It seemed to just fit because um, obviously um, we took it to um, fans, and it was, I, I can't remember. Who, who particularly it was that came up with that. It got shortlisted down to two new saints, the new saints. And we thought, well, if if people want to try uh, to take the, the letters of TNS and continue it into the future, it was far enough away from telecoms not to have any confusion to BT. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's a, a really interesting approach and it's re- really interesting the challenge bringing together the two communities as well. I think you do a good job. It's a tough task. And I wanted to ask about the takeover a little bit in 2005. Uh, why was the timing right? Why why did it feel like that was the, the right moment for the takeover to happen? Well, uh, a, a lot of things off the pitch really dictated to what, what we had to do. Um, Wales, um, rightly so, introduced um, UEFA licensing and there was a 10-year um implementation to that program starting back in probably uh, late to mid 90s uh, where all grounds had to pass certain criteria um, which we had in Lance and Fried albeit we could play great football there uh, it was never able to be developed one it was a council asset it was a school um, playing field there was no um, there was not enough room to put stands and all the things that you would need to do to have a pitch that could play in the Welsh Premier. Uh, so effectively, we would have been relegated even if we'd have won the league. So we had to find a new ground. Um, if you know the t- territory of Mid Wales, flat fields in uh, Mid Wales aren't the easiest things to come across. So it was, it was nigh on impossible to find a suitable location in, in the village. Um, Oswald Street um, had uh, obviously lost its football uh, in around the mid '80s, and had re-emerged um, in the around 2000, um, and had re-emerged back into the Welsh Premier, and they run into financial difficulties. And obviously, my business ran out of Oswestry, and we were sympathetic to that, and we didn't want to, uh, the town to lose its uh, its 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 uh, name in football. So I agreed to pay off all its bills, which I, which I did wow. so, uh, with yep. the view that we merged. And that, I mean, obviously they had a pitch which was developable, um, albeit it's slightly added to town at uh, Park Hall. 
Um, and Lance and Fried had a, a need to stay at the, the top of the, the the Welsh pyramid. So by merging the two clubs, we were able to to continue that dream. And what we see is that it enabled football to continue and save the name of Oliver Town because if it goes bust, technically you can't reform and use that name again um, as an entity after that situation. So I can't remember now exactly how much debts they got, but it was it wasn't a small debt, but it wasn't so huge that it was insurmountable. So it was you know in in, in lieu of anybody locally within the town to pick up that debt, which. I mean, it did run to tens of thousands. It wasn't. It wasn't a few hundred quid. We're talking a few tens of thousands, probably thirty or forty thousand, which you know, all those debts needed to be paid off, and and they promptly were. So, um, but the name was preserved, and we also preserved the 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 playing infrastructure um, at Park Hall, so which has been now developed into the ground we have today. That's brilliant. That's brilliant, Mike. Um, I think just moving on from the journey that you've had, um, you know, with, you know, the takeover and all the rest of it through to kind of, again, fast forward and a little bit into, into where we are now. Can you talk us through a little bit about the impact of European football on the, on the club, you know, how lucrative that is, the importance it, it plays in, in the, you know, the, the club building toward the future, but also, I guess, some of the challenges that that also creates, the infrastructure that you need to be able to compete at that level. I know you've just touched on it a little bit there with um, with the Welsh League itself, but you know the Euro- Europe has even greater standards still, right? So, I guess the benefits, the drawbacks, the the whole piece around around Europe and and the focus on it, I guess. Financially, I mean, I think let's let's put it in the right order. Um, any football club wants to try and compete at the very very top yeah. of the game absolutely and yeah you know, and the way and the very top of the game is the uefa champions league followed yeah. by the europa league by the europa conference and then every other 55 countries that make up uefa they all have their pyramid system so if you want if you compete in a territory your pinnacle is your country's championship which then enables you to um, test your skills um, against the the best in Europe, and if you finish in the other places, there are uh, other competitions like the Europa and the Europa Conference to test your skills again against the the best of the rest. So, as in a competitive format, that that is the dream. And as Lanson Pride and obviously obviously Town have always had dreams to be at the top of uh, their leagues, um, we and a. a, a gone through those pyramid systems, um, they want to sustain it and then go after the the the, the bigger prizes of going after yeah. Europe. Now there is there is something that flows from Europe. And I think outside probably five leagues within Europe, that is the funding that sets up the structures for every for every national league. You know, when you take England, Germany, Italy, Spain, they obviously have massive funding coming from their own associations just based on the size of those countries and their history. So um, Europe is an important funding stream, but the drivers of a club is not the funding that comes from it. It's the success it brings to the league and in, indirectly then brings to that country. And people say, oh, you're not well, but 
Yeah, we are a wealth club. Lancet Fried is uh, a wealth village. Osborne Street um, helped form the Football Association of Wales and was one of the founding um, participants back in 1870-something or 1880-something. So Osborne Street played a very big part in, in Welsh football. I'm Welsh, very proud to be Welsh, and I'm very proud that we are the pinnacle of Welsh football within our own within our own nation, albeit we've had to lend a little bit of England to, to play our games on. Um, and even if we go back to the very first international, but when England played Wales, um, nine Oswestry Town players played for Wales. An incredible number. And, uh, you know, we, we don't really get to give uh, UEFA any flowers on this podcast too often. And in, in fo- from football fans generally don't get to give UEFA any credit. But you mentioned the Conference League there, Mike. How much has that uh, allowed clubs like yourself or sort of boosted the avenues for clubs like yourselves to to get to the, the coveted group stage, which is really a, a goldmine for, for for yourselves and for, for other clubs from, from sort of smaller domestic leagues? It, 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 it is. I mean, I, I, in, a, in a purest way, I, I do believe the Champions League should be four champions. Uh, you know, and, and it should be one champion per country play in the Champions League. But Okay, uh, I think that probably if you, as you rightly say, a lot of um, uh, of the smaller countries see it as their holy grail to be actually in existence. So they trade off qualifiers to get in there for Uvalu to get a certain amount of, of finance. Um, so it is important. Uh, I think that um, the, the fact that historically there was the Champions League and there was the Europa League and then there was the what was the Intertoto Cup or the, the other European competition, which really it cost more money to be in. Uh, yeah, and and did but I, I think that they were very very forward thinking how how to to get this tiered um, way for yeah. more of the uh, smaller countries, better clubs to participate longer in the cycle of the. Um, European competitions during the course of the year. So your, your, your chance to all, to be in the Champions League was still there by a qualifying system. But as if you dropped out after round one of the qualifiers, you jettisoned in uh, to play a qualifier in the Europa. And then when you lost that, you have a chance to play uh, a qualifier in the conference, the Europa conference. So um, there's now a big prize for a, a, a smaller country is to win the first round of the uh, qualifying round of the Champions League because you don't get two more bites in the cherry to appear in a group stage. Um, the other clever thinking by Europa was to to make the conference um, financially viable, just like the Europa League is, where you also, if you are successful to get into there, you're going to then get your chance to play teams that... Um, uh, are significant. You obviously have had the likes of West Ham in there um, and, and other English Premier Clubs and established large German clubs, Spanish clubs, etc., etc. So it's not as though the competition is just left to be minor countries' um, competition where nobody takes any interest in it. So they've used I, – I think a lot of good thought has gone into it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer of it. Um, the good of the game should should be that everyone has a chance to compete. That's why closed off leagues and um, European um, 
leagues made up with just English Premier teams and a scattering of Spanish and German doesn't really appeal. I don't. I, I think long term that would kill the Golden Goose because the dream of going to the ball, called the Cinderella going to the ball, should be able to start with any club starting at the bottom of any pyramid system. They should be able to pick their wits, use that challenge, and find a promotional scheme to get themselves there. Absolutely, Mike. Completely, uh, completely agree with what you're saying. And I think just to stick on the on the theme of Europe. Is there buy-in from the local community around those European games? Does it give you an extra commercial boost? Are you able to sell more sponsorship when you're when you're having that progress through European competition? Do you see that correlation? We do. Um, you mean uh, the competition is always taken um, by uh, we, we we always have a sellout ground for any of those competitions during the qualifiers. I think uh, it becomes appealing for the fans who are. Uh, Perhaps one one every four or five games they turn up. They all turn up for that game. It appeals to the to the um, the the British uh, public who are interested in that competition, who who perhaps are there as a neutral. It, it gives them access yeah. to a competition. Um, we also see a lot of our sponsors are very keen to be shirt representing or pitch side representing. Um, helpful to you know, uh, during those those competitions. Um, many of our sponsors have got a great interest in football. So being able to gain access to the draw in Geneva, we, we make part of their sponsorship package, come as our guests to the, uh, as part of the limited people that can go to, to the draw. That's amazing. What a great package. <laughs> it's using those pieces of the jigsaw to benefit the club. And, uh, you know, uh, I say you, we've uh, grown the, uh, the business of what was probably a hobby um, back in uh, late to mid-90s at Lance and Fried or even Oswald Street Town there to a, to a business today which is generating around £2 million. You know, so you know, that's how far the game has gone under our stewardship and that's, um, again, I think the rub-off for many of our competing clubs um, is that they've dragged themselves up as well. The competition that we play in the league today, there's... There's no easy games where 20 yeah. years ago there would be some very easy games. As you can see, look at Barry Town's records, look at our early records. Teams would regularly be beaten by a country mile. Um, and the standard of teams would vary during the season. So perhaps some teams set out first 10 games. If they hadn't done so well, they cut the budget and then all of a sudden the quality of the game perhaps your competitor had would be easier or vice versa. So it wasn't, I don't think, a good format for the competition within the game, where today, as much as it doesn't appease the spectators in terms of the choice of the games to go to, again, myself, I'd love to see a bigger league. The funding that's available, by having the way we've got the format, but it splits at, 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 at uh, 22 games, there's a, a relegation conference and a, and a, a champions conference, it means that there's something on all those games because even in the bottom yeah. um, uh, conference, uh, the top club can still have a playoff place for the third place in the league. And you know, so there's something to play for. So each rubber has always got a competitive edge. Right down to that, you don't want to be relegated. So uh, the standard of football across the whole of the league has dramatically improved, where I think today, if you go down to club 
near enough the bottom of the uh, of the um, of, of the league. They are all of a standard that could have competed in the league twenty years ago. Great, great to hear how the the league has grown and. You know, I actually, I should give a shout out to one of my uh, one of my old local teams. I only played for them Sunday League level, but Landrin Dodd Wells. We used to get beaten by a country mile twice a year at TNS, but it was a great trip. You have brilliant facilities, so yeah, I should uh, should give a shout out. And uh, it, it was always good to uh, good to to visit you guys and uh, take a ten nil drubbing. But I did want to give you a chance to um, to, to to give you a platform as well to to sort of speak about the Welsh Domestic League and, you know, offer you the opportunity to say what you think can be done to promote the game further and to elevate the league's stature uh, as well, especially with all eyes on Welsh football at the moment with uh, the the guys at Wrexham, uh, you know, obviously global eyes on, on Wrexham at the moment and on Welsh football in general. Yeah, well, uh, I think that there's a, you know, the, the, the game has come on a long way in Wales. A lot of, you know, today it's a lot more professional than it's ever been before. Um, I'd like to think I, I helped uh, play my part in that. I mean, I, I, I dedicated a bit of my time uh, voluntarily to represent the league uh, about 15, 16 years ago. Um, it was one where in those days it was very amateurish. Um, with very little structure and very little thought given to it. You know, um, we won something called the Premier Cup uh, against, well, we beat Cardiff City in the semi-final and then beat Newport County in the final. And I, I won't name the fellow's name, but he, he was one of the uh, 27 councillors. He says, well, well done, Mike, well done. Where is it off to from here? Play in England? It was as though there was no passion to build their own pyramid structure that was of the... Um, of the stature of a small nation's pyramid system. And it was perhaps beyond their comprehension of how to do it. So um, time has rumbled on and things have improved. We have got structure. I think we've, um, uh, we're have we striving. We have got limited funds as a, as, as a, a nation uh, for football. Um, but I do think that um, uh, the FAW have still got work to do. Um, Obviously, it was very encouraging that Noel has picked up the reins and uh, uh, came in with um, uh, fresh, uh, fresh ideas. Uh, I think it's down to him to now get his um, vision sorted. But changing things and structures for the sake of changing structures, uh, I've, I've always been against. But it needs to be backed with a business plan, and, and it needs to back me back with some money. You know, and, and in the terms of football. The money they need is insignificant compared to what is being spent around the world on other pyramid systems. You know, so uh, not an easy job, but I think that there is a possibility that they could, um, uh, I think, find uh, a television deal that keeps the, the Welsh national TV um, organisation happy, but perhaps keep it to the boundaries of Wales, which is a Welsh-speaking channel, and then find a, a larger or more international mechanism to take the game to England and beyond, you know, because, again, as you rightly said, there's a, there's a growing uh, appetite for football in America. Uh, there's been, obviously, the Wrexham effect on the American population, and, and the FAW need to try and enhance that and grab on the shirt um, tails of that and sort of take some of that interest in Wales and to try to apply it to the whole of the league. And ultimately, um, uh, it's one where to try and bridge that financial gap um, so that teams 
want to strive to play in Wales as much as they want to strive to play in England. Well, Mike, I think um, I think that's probably the perfect position to, to leave this conversation at. You know, we've we've run out of time. I think we've gone slightly over actually, but um, you know, I genuinely could sit and, and listen to you talk about uh, about football and, and TNS and Welsh football all day. But without a doubt, listening to your story um, and hearing how you've helped to you know play your part in shaping what is Welsh football today, and certainly um, the, the success story that TNS is. Um, not just as a Welsh club, but as a British club, I think it's important to say uh, has been fascinating to hear about. So I'm incredibly grateful for your time, Mike. It'd be great to catch up again in a year or two years down the line to hear how you further evolved because I think progress is, from listening to you speak, I think progress is on the horizon, yeah. even more progress. And yeah, incredibly grateful for your time. Well, th- thank you very much. And I just want to restress that I mean, uh, myself, uh, uh, my family, uh, the club, we're here for the long term we're, yeah we're not we're not going anywhere anytime soon our ambition is to continue to lift the bar and we want everyone else to to follow us and 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 try and go beyond that bar and if if, if we're the ones who can't keep up well great we'll know we've um, done our job for wales that's a great way to leave it mike thank you thank you cheers